1976, if I recall correctly, it was, I think it was 76. So I was in Muncie for Pesach, and I was like to eat a meal by a person named Rabbi Avi Shulman. Some of you might have heard of him. So I ate a meal by his house as a guest. I was a young man. The, his, his son was making a siyum on Mishnayis Shas that morning. And so we had the, 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 the Yontif meal. At the end of the meal, some guests came to join, some close family friends came to join for the siyum. One of those close family friends was a person named Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. That was what, there was a few other ones of that, of that caliber. That was the close family friends. I, as the guest for the meal, was sitting in the front of the head of the table. So they put Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky down right next to me. So I, had, I spent an hour sitting next to Rabbi Yaakov at a very relaxed, yontif meal, no pressure, etc. And Rabbi Yaakov, at that point, after the, after the young man had made his siyam on the Mishnayis, spoke about the last Mishnah in Shas. He spoke in Yiddish. My command of Yiddish at that point in time was decent, but not perfect. Um, it got better over the years. If you want it, we can try and do this in Yiddish. Right? Um, actually, I was just in Israel recently, or it's a recently, and I, they, I spoke by a certain shul. They asked me, can you speak in Yiddish? I said, let's go for it. Let's see what happens. So I spoke in Yiddish. Uh, it, was a very, it, was a, it was a nice challenge. So he said over the following thought, the last Mishnah in Shas has two parts to it. The first part says that, quotes the name of Atana, it says, Kodesh Baruch was going to give it to every tzaddik, called tzaddik, the tzaddik, will get a certain amount of reward. That's the first half of the Mishnah. Amar Rabbi Shimon Chalafta, Hashem only found a container which can hold blessing for Israel. The only thing which can do that is peace. At that point in time, everybody stands up, you know, etc., right? So they, they say the him. What are the two parts of the Mishnah? What's the connection between the first part of the Mishnah and the second part of the Mishnah? So Rabbi said like this, I hope I'm quoting it correctly. The Torah says, they asked a question, why is this Mishnah here? What, what, why is that the last Mishnah in Shabbos? She says the following, you've had many arguments throughout Shabbos. Mishnah is, Rehuda says this, Rameir says that, Reb Tarfin says this, Reb Shmuel says this, Rekiva says this, they're always arguing. You might think, incorrectly so, that the Tana that we pass in like, that we decide according to, gets more reward. So the Mishnah says, no, 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 everybody gets this, this Sadiq and that Sadiq, they get the same reward. Whether we pass in like them or not, doesn't make a difference. Whether we decide that they're correct, doesn't make a difference. They get the same reward for the fact that they've learned Torah, they taught Torah, they get the same reward. So he asked the question, why do we use the language of tzaddik? If that's the point of the Mishnah here, to say every Tana gets the same reward, you would say, look, every Tana gets the same reward. Why does it say every tzaddik gets the same reward? The word tzaddik is used in the language of the Torah, not to be what we talk about, a righteous man, 
but a man who is right. So the, 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 the Torah describes that two people go to a court case. The Russia means the one who lost the case. And the Tzadik is the one who won the case. And he, and he, those who ever met Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov had a, this gorgeous smile. And he, he had a wonderful, he had, he had an infectious giggle. He used to giggle. Like he, was like, he was very, very down to earth. So he says, for example, imagine there is a case between the big Tzadik, the Tzadik Rebbe, and myself. We go to court. And I win the case. So I'm the tzaddik. In that case, not the tzaddik. And he started giggling. So tzaddik means the one who's right. Well, we just said the whole point over here is we've decided that this tana is right. Arguably, it means all the tana is wrong. But we use the language, every tzaddik gets the same reward. Why are we using the word tzaddik? We're describing the one we do not agree with. That's his question. So he spoke about a medrash in, in Parsons Bereshus, that there was a disagreement between, in, in the heavens, whether they should create man or not. So there was this, this argument there in the heavens, and the Malach, which represents the concept of truth of Emes, said, don't create man. Men, human beings, lie. They're shakran and they're liars. Sholem said, don't create man. They're constantly arguing and fighting. There's war, there's machloikis. Don't create man. Chesed said, create man. Men, human beings, do a lot of chesed. Tzedek said, create, because they also do righteous things. So we have two against two. What's supposed to happen? So the Pesach in Daniel, Daniel says, Hashem took Emes and threw it down to the earth. So now it's two against one. Well, two against one. Hashem created man. Strange measures. Right? Right? He wanted to create man. It was two against two. Solution, bump the guy off. Right? You know, like, that's, right? You know, it's, you know, mafia. It doesn't make sense. We have a concept, and the Gemara talks about a fascinating idea called Elu ve'elu divrei elukim chayim. The words of the living God. This one said this, this one said that. There's a fascinating morale. This is my, I'm, gonna, I'm interjecting my own thoughts. The morale says, there's a, Gemara, there's a Mishnah in Brachas that you come to start learning, you should say a certain prayer. And the prayer talks about the idea that you should say the right thing, you shouldn't make a mistake, and other people will laugh at you. Well, why would they laugh at you and make a mistake? Why are we assuming that? So the morale says, because they argued with you. Because that's what we do when we're learning. This one says this, this one says that. And he says, well, why are we assuming that they're going to argue with you? Why are we assuming? Maybe they're going to say, yes, you're right. Why are we assuming they're going to argue? He says, Hashem made human beings different. Because you say A, Two Jews, three opinions, right? You say A, I say B. What happens? We discuss it. You ask a good question. I have to answer it. I qualify my, my idea. I limit it. I restate it. I redefine it a little bit. 
You look at it again, and you ask me a different question. So I try it again. And eventually we get closer and closer to a clarity because we keep challenging each other. So if I say A, we're going to assume you're going to say B. Hashem made Jews contrary for this purpose, Morale says. If we'd always just agree, so we'd never clarify anything. That means, from my vantage point, I see the world a certain way, and from my vantage point, that is the right way to see it. So we have two right ways. We have two tzaddik. We have two tzaddik. We have two right ways to see the world. My way and your way. They're both right. There's an overall problem with that. When we're both right, what's supposed to happen? So Hashem made an overarching emiss that he put in this world to allow us, even though I'm right and you're right, Hashem gave us a vehicle how to live together with both parts. And that's the Torah. So the Tzaddik says this and the Tzaddik says that. That's the first half of the Mishnah. And you're both right. Hashem oiz the Torah. Hashem gave oiz the Torah, the Medrash says. Oiz is the Torah. He gave us a vehicle how to deal with the fact that we have different ways of looking at things. The Mishnah says that there's you have a disagreement with, which is done for the sake of heaven. It means you want to find the truth. It's going to last. So it means that not only are you going to fight, your kids are going to fight, your grandkids are going to fight. Why is that good? Like the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? right? Used to be. So not only do they kill each other, but the next generation killed each other. Next generation killed each other. So why is it that the Machloikas, the Shaykh, the Shem Shemayim, the Machloikas will last? I have a better idea. Let them make peace. No, there's different ways of looking at things. And, they, and they're both right. But how do you survive in a world where they're both right? Machloikas is not bad. What does the word machlokas mean? It means you, you divide. Havdalah is the same word, right? We'd also divide. Is Havdalah negative? Baruch Atah Hashem HaMavdil. I said, my gosh, then. But thank you, Hashem, for HaMavdil. Maybe not HaMavdil. Why, why is Havdalah good? Because things are different. And people see things differently, and that's appropriate. That's not incorrect. If it's done for the sake of heaven to find the right way to do things, we can have a good, good, good argument. We both have valid stance. We have to find a way to live with that. Hashem finds a way that will be misguided, that we can work it out. But it's not inherently negative to have a disagreement. Um, I'm going to say about 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago, I went to a wedding in Muncie. I was not in the mood of driving up to Muncie and driving back, so I figured I'll take the train. The train is very, very comfortable to take. The problem with the train is there's no stop on the, on the Amtrak from here to New York, which is near Muncie. The closest stop is Metro Park, which is 40 miles away, and a taxi is very expensive. But I had a great idea. I knew that the, fa- the party of the Chassan was coming in from Chicago, and they're flying into Newark. And they're arranging a bus going from Newark up to the wedding. So I would time my trip on the Amtrak, correct, I would get to Newark, get off the Newark, get it to Newark, but there's a stop actually in the airport. Get off, catch the bus, and get a ride up to Muncie. It's about an hour and a half, two hour ride. So that's what I did. So I'm on, I get on this bus, 
it's a full-size bus. There's about 45 pe 40 people on the bus from Chicago who all know each other and totally ignore me for the whole trip. Now, I happen to be a fairly garrulous individual. I tried. It didn't work. You know, how are you from? It's in Chicago. You know, and the next thing is, like, you know, so I said, you know what? A Jewish guy driving the bus, got, got, a fellow from Muncie. So I was with the driver for the whole hour and a half. I, I, I got to know his name. I got to know his wife. I got to know, I, I, you know, I, so during the conversation, you realize this guy was starved for conversation. He t tells me he has Shalom problems. We're ready down to that. He's ready to tell me he has Shalom problems, okay? He tells me that he has Shalom problems. Him and his wife, they have a lot of problems, but he has this great solution. He drives the long-distance trips for, 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 for Muncie tours. So he's away for five or six days. When he comes back home, his wife missed him. The day or two was great. Next thing, then he's back on the road again. So he solved this problem. Like, that was his solution. I didn't think it was a great solution, and I told him that as, as such. So I, I think you need to address the problem more, basically. But during the conversation, he told me that at one point in time, he was the private driver for a person named everybody Israel Tauber. Israel Tauber was a tremendous Talmud who lived in Muncie. He was a businessman. Multiple swarm that he wrote, he, he used to speak. There's thousands of, of shurim that he gave, tapes, etc. So I asked him, Do you ever? he wrote a book on Shalom Bayez. Rabbi Tauber wrote a book on Shalom Bayez. Do you ever ask Rabbi Tauber while you're driving him anything about Shalom Bayez? So as a matter of fact, yes. So, so what did he tell you? So he told me the following. I, asked, I told him I have Shalom Bayez problems. The fellow's name is Avraham. He says, Avraham, do you ever see how you polish diamonds? He says, no. So I'll tell you how you polish diamonds. A raw, uncut diamond does not look anything at all. It's not, it's, it has no, doesn't look anything noteworthy in any way, shape, or form. Looks like a, like a, like a, like a piece of quartz. A person who's an expert puts it in a vise, and they put tremendous pressure on the, the, the uncut stone, and it's done correctly, it cracks in half. So that's the first stage. Now what's the next stage? You want to polish it. But there's a problem. Diamond is the hardest substance known to man. So you rub against anything that's a diamond, the other thing will get rubbed, but the diamond will remain the same. The only thing you can rub a diamond with, you can, you can use to polish a diamond, is a diamond. Which diamond? The two halves. Because they're perfect opposites. So they rub against each other. And as they rub, they polish each other. Hashem took Adam and Chava, ripped them apart, rubs them against each other, and you get polished diamonds. So he said, the goal over here is not that you should have a yes man or a yes woman in a marriage. Hashem made men and women different, made this man and this woman different, because that's going to force them to grow, to learn how to live with each other. The, the disagreement is positive. It's part of the intrinsic process of how human being grows and becomes a polished diamond. That's what he told me. I said this over multiple times by different occasions. One time I, I said it over, so one of the people who was there in the audience came over to me afterwards and says, I heard this from Rabbi Tauber himself when he spoke about Shalom Bayes. He said this, Marshall. And he added the following points, which... I don't recall hearing that conversation. It says, 
Have you ever heard what it sounds like when you rub the two diamonds together? It's a high-pitched, horribly sound screech. Horribly sounding screech. That's the husband and the wife. <laughs> it's a screech. It's, it, it is challenging. It is painful to hear sometimes. It doesn't mean it's negative. That's what a human being grows from. So Kodesh Baruch finds a clean marks of Baruch Sholem. He finds a way to allow us to be different. We say in Davening, Where's that come from? That's a Pasuk in the Eiv. Pasuk in the Eiv says, Hashem makes peace in the heavens. So the matter says, what's this peace in the heavens that we're talking about? There's a Malach in Shemaim of Eish. There's a Malach in Shemaim of Mayim. The matter of Rashi says that the combination of the two creates Shemayim. So you have this Malach of Aish. Aish doesn't like water because water puts it out. Water doesn't like Aish because Aish causes it to boil out. Aish is Sholem bin Raimov, who yes has Sholem The Russian finds a way to make peace. So now what's the peace? Lukewarm water? No. The water remains water and the fire remains fire. But they find a way to live together. So Oseh Sholem Bim Roimov, who Yasa Sholem Aleinu, doesn't mean that you're going to give in and, and become, totally you lose your reality and your personality and who you are. You're going to maintain that, but you're going to learn to respect another position. That there's two ways of looking at something, to the point that both are valid, both are tzedek, both are tzaddik, both are righteous, both are correct. So the correct answer To how many answers are there to a, to a question? How many solutions are to the problem? The answer is at least two. In math, many times there's, 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 there's two. Two and negative two equals four. Right? What's, what, what's the, what is the number which you both put together gives you? What's the square root of four? There's two answers. Two and negative two. They don't teach you that in elementary school, right? There's more than one answer. Even in math, there's more than one answer. In life, there's more than one answer. There's, one, there's more than one way to look at something. And they're both valid. I don't have to give up my position to accept your position. I have to learn to respect that there's another way of looking at it, which is just as valid as mine. That's the goal of Sholem. The matter says that we end off all of our brachas with Sholem. Why do we end, says so Birchus Kriyashma, it ends with Hashkivenu, we end off with Sholem. Shemonestra ends off with Sholem. Because Kanem ends off with Sholem. Kaddish ends off with Sholem. Why the end? Why the end? Because we first have to bring Das and Shuva and Parnasa, all the things into the reality, and then find a way to make them work. That there's nothing there, that there's peace, that's easy, because there's nothing there. With the fact that I have my pranasa and you have your pranasa, and I have my, my, my learning and you have your learning, and I have my needs and you have your needs, and I, with all of that, they're, they're, we'll find a way to make peace. But if there's nothing there, what's the cons? So the goal of Sholem is not to be mavat there and give up what your reality is, it's to find a way to respect the other individual. 
My wife and I uh, did a seed program in Dayton, Ohio in 1993. So the rabbi was the person named Rabbi Eli, Rabbi Eli Stern. He asked us if we would be comfortable talking about Shalom Bayes. So I used to give Shalom Bayes classes, you know, uh, in Cleveland. I said, yeah. Now, Rabbi Eli Stern, Starkstein, has a flair for the, the, the dramatic. So we get there to Dayton, Ohio, and we walk in and they have already the flyers for the different events which are going to take place while we're there, three weeks while we were there. And there's this poster about, yay high, love Jewish style. A free willing discussion of everything you wanted to know about love, dating, and marriage given by Rabbi and Rabbi Zanelli Rheingold. <laughs> right? And we looked at each other and said, oh my honey, now what? You know, you know. Like, you know, so we decided that in this situation, the best defense is a good offense. We need to control the conversation in this situation. So we go in, and we gave everybody, we gave out a piece of paper, a pad, and, and a pencil to each, each person who came. This was a non-religious crowd. It was a neophyte Bali Chuba couple inviting all of their friends from the neighborhood, were all who were not religious. And we gave them this, 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 this piece of paper and a pen, and said, everybody gets two minutes, fill in the blank. Marriages. Marriages, fill in the blank. So everybody says, marriages. And then we went around the room, everybody gave their answer, etc. And then we gave our answer. And our answer was, marriage is an opportunity for growth. You are 24-7 together with somebody else who is different than you in every way, shape, or form. You learn to respect somebody else's way of looking at the world. You learn to give it the respect that it's just as valid as yours. Then you, have, then you can function. It's an opportunity for growth. It's not limited to marriage, any relationship that one has. A real relationship with somebody you're going to disagree. You're going to see things differently. You're going to fight. You're going to have challenges. And if it's my way or the highway, forget it. You're done. And if it's, you know what? My way is valid, but your way is also valid, then we can work. We can figure something out. So Kodesh Baruch puts Havdalah in the world. Havdalah, we make a bracha on Havdalah. So we start the brachas of Shemoneser. The first bracha that we start is Havdalah. Das is, is the part, is the bracha for Havdalah. How do you understand something? By seeing how it's different from something else. I understand, part of the way you understand something, part of the way, part of the way you define something is by seeing what makes it unique. How is it different from everything else? Its uniqueness is defined by the difference. Every human being is unique. Man was created as an individual. To say the world was created for me. There's a problem. If the world was created for me, it wasn't created for you. That's the challenge. It's mine. It's my world. You're driving on the highway. I just wish everybody get out of my way because I have to get to where I have to get. That's where the male ego comes out with this. It's my world. Just get out of here, everybody. Just go away. The guy in the next car over is saying the same thing. That's where the challenge comes from. But that's not that we're therefore we're not unique. 
We are unique. Therefore, we do not have a valid way of looking at something we do. We have valid, we have unique needs. Every, all of that is true. That's the Havdalah. That's the beginning of the Bershom differentiates and makes things separate. That intrinsically is going to create this challenge. We go through all of these brachas and then we come back to it. Hashem's going to find a way to give a shalom. We are willing to respect the other person's position. So it's a bracha that, it's, that it continues. That means my uniqueness continues. The way I see the world, the way I see the th- that continues on and on. It's, it, I, I have a valid point and therefore I continue. My argument continues. My position continues. And your argument and your position also continues. But we can find a way to work together. So Beisham is Hillel. Morris says they respected each other. The fact that you had a strong position was something I can respect. And they married into each other's families. Hathfuls and McCoys did not marry into each other's families. Beisham and Hillel ain't the Hathfuls and ain't the McCoys. It's tremendous respect for each other that they have another opinion. They have another way of looking at it. The halacha is like Beis Hillel. The Rizal says, when Mashiach comes, the halacha will be like Beis Shammai. And we can explain the arguments. So, Sholem is this extraordinary concept that we can live a world which it's with my uniqueness, with my right to the world. And share it at the same time with somebody else. And that's an extraordinary thing that Hashem created called Sholem. Last thought. The matter says that the Torah says a mitzvah, when you come to war, you should offer peace to the enemy. Yeshua, before he entered the land of Israel, he sent the messengers in, saying we're coming in. You have three options. You can leave. You can accept peace and become servants in Kalei or we'll fight you. The matter says where they come from. Hashem told Moshe to fight with Sichon. Moshe offered Sichon peace, the Pasuk says. So the matter says, Hashem says to Moshe, because you offered peace to Sichon, when I said do war, from now on we're going to follow your approach. That's the language. We're, we're going to offer peace first. Now there's a mitzvah to offer peace first. A strange measure. Hashem says, fight. Moshe says, peace. Oh, Hashem says, you know, I didn't think of that. It's a good idea. Let's do it, you know. Ah, thank you, Moshe Beno. I, I appreciate the thought. The, the process of peace is that we have to work on ourselves. Hashem says, I can't offer that for you. If you, human beings, Moshe Rabbeinu, the, the Torah, the, the, the teacher of Kalei says, I want to find a way to make this work, Moshe, I'll, I'll help you. I'll support that. But if you're waiting for me to create the peace, it's not going to happen. The impediment to it is you. Your ego, your opinions, your assumptions, everything, which you, your, your culture, whatever it is, all of that, that's the impediment. You have to find the solution inside of yourself. I will support that. I'll give you the tools to do so. But I can't command you to do that. How do you live with people which are your enemies? Hashem says, Destroy out, wipe out the Canaan. 
and we have the Gibonim which live and they become part of Klaus. How does it work? We'll find a solution. We'll make them a button. We'll make them, they're going to be the people, it's not for voting for the human, for, the, for, for people. They're the water carriers and the, and the wood choppers for the, for the, for the Mishkan. They're not lowly people. But the responsibility made them grow and become more like Klai We're going to find a way to make it work. So the says Yeshua kept this halacha. And that's what happened. The Gibonim accepted the peace and they were made not to be servants because that's not going to work because then they're going to rebel. They're made to be the people which are responsible for the, the upkeep of the, of the Mishkan. That we can live with. Extraordinary idea. I'll give you, I'll give you the, the das to figure it out. But you have to want to do it yourself. So if we truly want to work this out, that you can be unique and I can be unique, you can, I can respect that in fact you have another opinion, the Russian will give us the vehicle to work it out that I can, respect, I can do that. But we, that's something which we intrinsically, inherently, inside of ourselves, we need to come up with that desire to do so. And then we will have the Siyat HaDashmaya, we dive in, Oysa Shalom Bim Roimov, Yasa Shalom Aleinu, Lako Yasel Bim Roimov.